The History Channel Original Podcast. History This Week, June 4th, 1939. I'm Sally Helm. At the bottom of the steps, someone hands Anna Mae Wong a huge basket of flowers. She smiles gratefully and tries to loop the handle of the basket over her shoulder, but it's heavy, awkward, and she has to lower it to hang on her forearm. In her other hand, Wang is holding another bouquet of flowers. It feels like a classic freeze frame in the life of a movie star. She's stepping off an ocean liner to greet her fans in Australia. She's holding flowers, flowers, and more flowers. She's wearing a floor-length fur coat. In many ways, Anna Mae Wong is the classic Hollywood star. She's glamorous and famous. She's made some 60 movies that have been seen around the world. But in other ways, she is completely singular. She's the first, and at this time only, world-famous Chinese-American movie star. Wong already has tons of fans in Australia. And in a newscast, she addresses her Chinese fans in particular, calling them, in Taishanese, her friends. It's a tranquil moment. She's in a garden, wearing yet another fur coat. But behind the scenes, Anna Mae Wong is reaching the end of her rope. She told an Australian newspaper before her visit why she decided to come here now. People insist upon looking at me as a freak, she said. Something akin to a five-legged dog or a two-headed calf. That's the main reason I want to get away from Hollywood. I want to examine myself closely and find out if I have anything really to offer the public or whether I must just go on being regarded as a freak. Today... Anna Mae Wong. How did a Chinese-American girl from a poor family defy expectations to become a movie star? And what's fueling her Hollywood rebirth? When I was shooting, it was the anniversary of her 100 years of being in cinema. It just coincided on that same day. So I really do feel like there is something in the air around her because she has stayed in our culture. She's finding resurgence. Like, that is her power. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the 1990s, and Shirley Lim is at UCLA getting her doctoral degree in history. She's planning to write about Asian American and Pacific Islander women. And as part of her research, she starts to explore UCLA's world-renowned film and television archives. Once I realized that UCLA had very rare, hard-to-find footage of movies by this Chinese-American actress called Anna Mae Wong, I became very intrigued. At that time, Lim doesn't know much about Anna Mae Wong. There wasn't much written about her, outside a handful of articles. 
And even those articles? They dismissed her as an unimportant marginal figure who always died at the end of every single one of her movies. But nonetheless, Lim books an appointment at the archive to watch some of Wong's films. So, you know, the technician came and reeled out all of these dusty 35-millimeter reels of anime Wong films and loaded up a film called King of Chinatown, 1939, Paramount Movies. I'm peering into this teensy, teensy little screen, the viewer's screen, and lo and behold, here is anime Wong. She is playing a surgeon. Dr. Jones, will you let me take this case? Dr. Hansen's given me his permission. Why, Hansen ought to Dr. be able Dr. Jones, please, you must. There's only one chance in a thousand to save this man. Well, give me that chance. Not a cartoon avatar of evil. <laughs> Not a sappy ingenue destined to drown or be murdered or otherwise die. <laughs> She's a heroic surgeon. A female surgeon, no less. In 1939. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Why is this woman, Anthony Wong, who's working class, daughter of a laundryman, no formal education beyond high school, why is she playing a surgeon? Lim is fascinated. Fast forward 20-odd years, she's now written two books on anime Wong and is working on her third. Really watching this movie, you know, prompted a... It's, oh my gosh, it's close to a three-decade love affair with Anime Wong because it was like, oh wow, it really got me to rethink the possibilities of what life could be like for a Chinese-American woman before World War II. Lim sets out to learn everything there is to know about Anime Wong, like where she grew up which, perhaps no surprise for a film star, turns out to be Los Angeles. As a kid, she worked in the family business, which was laundry. Which is a classic profession for people of Chinese descent who were excluded from a lot of other ways of making a living at this time. Wong's work is tedious and the hours are long. It's manual labor that leaves scars on her hands. But there are perks. When she delivers laundry bundles to customers, she gets good tips. And what's really charming about the anime Wong story, well, there's everything is charming about the anime Wong story, but what's really charming is that she would take the tip money and use it to go to the movies. Where, you might say, she met her destiny. It's the 1910s, and the movies are a new, enthralling form of entertainment. They're silent, but that's what makes them a social event. Sometimes there's a live band, and most of the time, there's a loud audience. People were very engaged, you know, yelling things at the screen, reacting. Anime Wong falls in love with the movies and gets to wondering how they're made. The answers are right at her doorstep. Movies are filmed night and day around her hometown of L.A., While Wong is supposed to be in school, she sneaks onto film sets instead. This is all sort of part of um, Hollywood legend, but she was called the curious Chinese child because she kept going to the movie sets and pestering, you know, whoever she could find to let her onto the set to try to be an extra or to work on a movie. Incredibly, this works. 
she lands a few roles as an extra when she's just a teenager. And then, a breakthrough. She hits the jackpot early. At age 17, she stars in her first Hollywood movie called The Toll of the Sea. The music you're hearing is actually from the opening scene of that 1922 movie. The story is about an American man who travels to China and falls in love with a character named Lotus Flower, played by Anna Mae Wong. At the end of the movie, he abandons her. She's brokenhearted. It's one of the many predictable, tragic roles she'll be asked to play throughout her career. But nevertheless, Anna Mae Wong is electric. Oh my gosh, she is so young and adorable. Um, (laughs) She's really captivating. You know, her eyes light up or they look sad depending on the moment. It's very clear that the camera adores Anna Mae Wong. Her acting is subtle and natural, which is a contrast to the exaggerated styles of the time. Very much during the silent era, you can read a shriek on people's face. You can see the eyes practically popping open and practically popping out of the sockets. But that is not Wong, and her elegant performance wins her more roles. She lands a supporting part in the action-packed movie The Thief of Baghdad. She gets the role of Tiger Lily in the first film version of Peter Pan. She's beginning to establish herself in the glamorous world of Hollywood. And she sets her sights on one day starring in her own A-list movie. But after 1924, her roles become increasingly minor. And in fact, one could almost say deteriorate into being stereotypical typecasting, you know, sort of playing quote unquote evil oriental characters. Like in the 1927 movie Old San Francisco, her role is Flower of the Orient. She doesn't even really get a proper name in this movie. And her role is pretty much one of practically a white slaver madame, you know? A madame who tries to sell the white leading lady into slavery. Anna Mae Wong is fed up with this kind of one-dimensional role and with an industry that can't see past her race. She's 23 years old, and it feels like her acting career is fizzling out. This is when she could use the thing that all young actors dream of. The big break. And then, in true cinematic fashion, a German writer approaches Wong with a script that he's written just for her, starring her. But it requires her to uproot herself from the comforts and familiarity of Los Angeles, her home, and go to Berlin. Wong barely hesitates. In 1928, she and her older sister Lulu travel to New York and get on a ship that crosses the Atlantic to Germany. They arrive in Berlin and are amazed at what they see. It's this really, really heady, interesting, exciting place to be because here's Los Angeles. You know, at that time, it's a bit of a backwater, right? And here she is thrust into one of the most cosmopolitan, adventurous societies that ever existed. There are grand, debaucherous cabarets, elaborate balls where people dressed in drag, evening parties where all the guests were in the nude. And the city is also alive with a bustling film industry. 
German Expressionism is expanding film's visual and dramatic vocabulary, which is influencing cinematic stylists like Alfred Hitchcock. Anna Mae Wong is thrust into the center of it with her first film, Song. And they've heard so many wonderful, amazing things about Anna Mae Wong that a lot of famous people in the German film industry actually come out to the studios to witness her weep on demand. It's one of Wong's talents, crying on cue. It's really incredible. And when song premieres, it's a hit. You know, there's crowds everywhere. It's absolutely, it's insane. And Berlin is where she finally fully realizes that she's a film star. After two more films in Berlin, Anna Mae Wong heads off to do vaudeville in Paris. Then she moves on to the theaters of London. In one play, her co-star is the now-famous British actor Laurence Olivier. He gets second billing after her. While she's in London, she's a huge sensation. She walks into Parliament and they stop debate because they're all staring at her. And even better, the critics are raving about her performance. They loved her dancing. They loved um, her figure. They loved her portrayal of, you know, the main character. But they had one big criticism. What really shocked the London theater critics is Anna Mae Wong's American California accent. Up until now, all of Wong's movies have been silent. This is one of the first times audiences are hearing her voice. And it could have gone better. One critic derides it as a Yankee squeak. You know, she kind of asks, she's like, okay, what did they expect? An English accent? You know, and then of course I ask, you know, would a Chinese accent have been more authentic to their ears? Wong decides, okay, an English accent is a status marker and I'm an actor, I'll adapt. This is her American can-do attitude. She then actually hires an accent coach to teach her an upper-class English accent. Wong wasn't the only star thinking a lot at this moment about her voice. She's trying to make the leap from the silent era to talking films. Many other movie stars have tried and come up short. But Wong has her European theatrical credentials a growing fan base around the world, and her newly adopted transatlantic accent. So, in 1930, she boards an ocean liner and returns to the United States, where she signs a deal with Paramount Pictures to star in two talking films. And this is where her voice lessons become crucial. If I stayed, would my hair ever become golden curls and my skin ivory like Ronald? Strange, I prefer yours. I shall never forget your hair and your eyes. It's only a passing fascination. Audiences love Wong's 1931 movie, Daughter of the Dragon. This time, the critics don't talk about a Yankee squeak. But audiences do have a big criticism for Wong's co-star. Japanese actor Sesu Hayakawa has been a big star in the silent era. But in this film... He's considered to be completely unintelligible with a thick Japanese accent. 
Hayakawa will struggle for years to land other parts, but not anime Wong. She soon gets one of her best-known roles as the secret hero in the 1932 movie Shanghai Express. Wong's character kills the villain and helps save the leading lady. You better get her out of there. I've just killed Chen. It's an A-list, main Hollywood feature, big star, Marlena Dietrich, a film that gets nominated for Academy Awards. So you can really see anime Wong's career picking up in the sound talking era. She's poised to achieve new Hollywood heights. And then in 1935, MGM announces plans to adapt the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel The Good Earth into a blockbuster movie. It's the story of a Chinese farming couple in the early 20th century who struggle through love and heartbreak, famine and revolution. The part of Olan will surely be a life-changing role for whoever lands it. And it's a perfect fit for anime Wong. She's a seasoned veteran of the screen, an actor at her peak, a proven favorite with audiences across the globe, and the only Chinese-American star with that kind of stature. She auditions multiple times for the lead role of Olan. And then, as they say in the business, comes the plot twist. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Anime Wong is this close to her goal of starring in an A-list Hollywood movie, MGM's The Good Earth. And then... Well, the long and the short of it is she does not get cast in The Good Earth. So why does Anime Wong not get the role? (laughs) The answer to that question has to do in part with new censorship guidelines in Hollywood, popularly known as the Hayes Code. The code tells movie studios what is and isn't acceptable to show on screen. And one of the things deemed unacceptable? Interracial marriage. Which, of course, has been taboo or outright banned for decades in many U.S. states. And now, if directors want to make a movie with, say, a Chinese leading character who is married, they are officially required to use two actors of the same race. In practice, this meant a lot of white actors playing Asian roles, which was known as yellow face. Somebody who is not of Asian descent dons makeup, hairstyles, clothing, mannerisms in order to portray an Asian role. That's what happens in the case of The Good Earth. The leading role goes to white actor Louise Rayner. We'll not sell the land. We'll keep it. We'll go south. And when we return, we still have the land. In 1938, Rainer will win an Oscar for her role in this movie. 
Anna Mae Wong is disappointed and fed up with Hollywood. So she decides, I'm just going to make a film myself. This is one of the things I really, really love about her because she's not going to let Hollywood casting dictate her mood or her life. She says pretty much to hell with Hollywood, I'm off to China. Wong plans to make her first and only trip to China and to make a movie about it, a travelogue starring herself. She directs, she produces, <laughs> she acts in her own film about China. Granted, it's more of a homemade travel movie, but she makes it. The movie isn't shown in theaters, but there's still significant buzz around Wong's trip. And it comes at a time when Hollywood attitudes are changing. In 1937, war breaks out between China and Japan. The U.S. backs China. The country is now seen as an ally, and America begins to change its prejudiced views on China and Chinese Americans. Hollywood reacts to that. Anna Mae Wong can then take advantage of her Chinese heritage, her interest in painting a sympathetic portrait of the Chinese. Wong strikes another deal with Paramount for a series of movies. They're not big budget, but there's a huge advantage. This time, the characters aren't the simplified roles she so often had to play. In Daughter of Shanghai, she plays the crime-solving heroine. There's nothing to be gained by seeing him. Did my father ever discuss a man named Hartman with you? In Dangerous to Know, she's a wealthy hostess. Nothing. You're a strange person, Lanine. You want nothing. I've never before met anyone who wants nothing. I possess everything within my reach, so I've stopped wanting. Then she plays a California surgeon. Dr. Jones, will you let me take this case? Dr. Hansen's given me his permission. By Hansen, not to Dr. be able... Dr. Jones, please, you That's must... the 1939 film that Shirley Lim first watched in the UCLA archives, King of Chinatown. In that movie, Anna Mae Wong's character is a patriot who fundraises for the war effort in China. But this is seen as a completely patriotic action for her as an American. Her career is back on an upswing. And Wong is invited to Australia to star in a vaudeville show. So being an intrepid adventurer, she's like, sure, I'll go to Australia. <laughs> She's hoping for the chance to once more prove herself as an actor. But the show gets poor reviews and Wong heads back to Hollywood and to even more disappointment. The movie industry is about to change again because of the war. And this time, not in her favor. Ooh, World War II causes shifts in the movie industry. Studios are suddenly putting their time and money into male-oriented war movies. In this environment, Wong is barely able to squeak out a few small roles. She doesn't get starring roles anymore in Hollywood, whether A-list or B-list. You know, let's be frank, she's an aging actress in an industry that then and now tends to uphold younger women as beauty standards. Things get worse for Wong in particular after the war, when China becomes a communist country. No longer are they America's ally. They're America's enemy. Her Chinese-American body is one of her greatest selling points, but it can also be one of her greatest limiting factors. 
when China is demonized. Anna Mae Wong goes years without acting work. She is somebody who has stated that work is the best therapy of all. And the work is not coming her way. It is really, really hard going from being the toast of the town, wherever she goes, crowds following, to going to practically a screeching halt in her career. Many accounts say she fell into a depression. Some say she became a heavy drinker. In the coming years, she'll have to sell her jewelry to make ends meet. She'll develop liver disease. It's really tough on her mental health, but can I just actually interject and say that she's Anna Mae Wong. <laughs> so what she does is she actually then starts to work in television. That's right. One more comeback. In 1951, she becomes the first Asian-American actor to have a starring role in a television series, The Gallery of Madame Lu Song. She plays this gallery owner detective who goes around the world solving crimes. Shirley Lim would love to see it, but the show was the property of the little-known Dumont Network. And Lim told us sometime in the 1970s, they got rid of their back catalog, including Wong's show. They actually loaded it up onto a barge and dumped it into the East River. It is the Holy Grail, so if anybody listening out there (laughs) ever finds or has any copies of this TV series, get in contact with me. In 1957, jumping off of her starring TV role, Anna Mae Wong convinces ABC to air that China travelogue on a new TV show called Bold Journey. Bold Journey your television passport to the exciting, colorful world of adventure. It's nationally broadcast, and the network invites Wong to appear live and narrate the movie as it plays to a studio audience. When Wong steps on stage, it's clear that she's not the same figure who had once transfixed the world. She really looks shockingly nervous. Her eyes dart all over the place. She seems really uneasy. Disease has taken its toll. But ever the professional, Anime Wong gets on with the show. She narrates her travelogue with pride. This is one of my favorite pictures of my father. He was so happy that day to be surrounded with his family from the West and the East. Although I've been to many, many places in the world, this first and only trip I made to China was the most meaningful. In 1961 comes one more turn of the plot. Wong is honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And incredibly, despite her failing health, she's about to land a significant part in the movie Flower Drum Song. She's really, really excited. An A-list Hollywood movie, big budget, lots of publicity. This is what is going to bring her back into the Hollywood A-list that she has deserved her entire career. But what's so hard is that before filming even starts on Flower Drum Song, Anime Wong dies. In 1961, at the age of 56, she dies in her sleep of a heart attack. Anna Mae Wong is gone, 
But in typical anime Wong fashion, she is still making another comeback. This year, the U.S. Mint will put her on the back of the quarter, making her the first Asian American to be featured on U.S. currency. Check your change, you might see her. There's also a new anime Wong biopic in production, plus a 2020 Netflix series called Hollywood features her as a character. I spoke to my agent. He still thinks I'm delusional because no one at the studio seems to know anything about Angel of Shanghai. That's actor Michelle Kruzik playing Wong in the show. I felt this great affinity for her. She started when she was 11. I started when I was 11. I started to see so much similarity in the way she was up against Hollywood and what I felt I had been facing in my own career. Initially, I felt that her figure was tragic, that her story was tragic. But as Kruzik learned more about Anime Wong, got closer to her, inhabited her, she started to see that the tragedy and the setbacks weren't the central thing. It was the way Wong responded. I started to see that her reaction to obstacle was to pivot and reinvent herself. This came at a crucial time in Kruzik's own career. I was really writing a lot about invisibility at the time, and I was having dreams of not having a face. Kruzik felt tired of fighting to be cast in a leading role, a part with nuance and depth, much like anime Wong. I always die in every part I do, or I'm always sick, or I'm always the villain. There's something wrong with me, you know? It chips away at you. So I had really been in a place in my career where I was questioning who I was. And when I looked at her story, she never gave up, you know, to the very, very bitter end. You know, she died reading a script. Kruzik said it was a real turning point. Inspired by the career of a woman who never stopped working and never stopped reinventing herself. For me, her legacy will overpower any kind of failure that she may have felt. And when I think about my artistic process, I actually have a thing on my on my visual wall, which is never forget. And I feel like the never forget is never forget anime wall. Thanks for listening to History This Week. For more moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Thank you to our guests, Professor Shirley Lim and actor Michelle Krusik, for speaking with us for today's episode. This episode was produced by Julie Magruder, sound designed by Dan Rosato, and story edited by Jim O'Grady. History This Week is also produced by Julia Press, Morgan Givens, and me, Sally Helm. Our senior producer is Ben Dickstein. Our associate producer is Emma Fredericks. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn. And our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm